So good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for coming here. I realize it's a packed audience, so I'm glad you were able to find a spot, so thank you. Now, uh, so you're probably wondering, um, I'm representative of a group called the Solutions Community here at MHI. And we wanted to take a moment and actually discuss what the future looks like. We all have labor shortages, but there's ways we can mitigate them today, tomorrow, and into the future. So I and my colleagues are gonna walk through those experiences. But before we do that today, do me a favor, grab your phones. Seriously, pull your phones out. There's a website called slido.com. It's very easy to use. Take a moment, go to it, go to code 2021, and you have an immediate question. We're gonna ask, answer it in just a few minutes, but I wanna go ahead and get everyone prepared. Thanks. So hi, I'm not Kevin Reeder, but Kevin Reeder is here in spirit, and we're gonna go through some of his work as well. He is from Canop Systems. We also have Christian Dow over here. Really good guy, he's working for MHI right now. He's heading up all of the industry groups as well as membership value. Thirdly enough, John Reichert. He's a better guy, fair enough. Working for Texas right now, the software platform that integrates warehouse management systems and more importantly in the health and retail environments. And thirdly enough, it's myself. I'm heading up global supply chain and interlogistics for a company called Grenzenbach. We do the tunnel under AGVs that pick up the racks and move them to you. Really interesting stuff. So what we're hoping to do today is, well, have an interaction session. Uh, I have a tendency to move around, you'll notice this really quickly, but we want people to ask questions and to support themselves within that Slido process. We have multiple questions today. Do you have to keep your phones out? Also, we wanna talk about those immediate strategies to overcome the labor shortages. What you can do today immediately while you're at this event, what you can do tomorrow with your companies, and what you can do in a really short near term setting up for next year. Thirdly, we're gonna talk about the tactics to mitigate those risks of labor shortages and the pains we have in our supply chain and value chains. Fourth thing is to improve the labor scalability. Because simply put, just because you have the labor doesn't mean it's actually available to do it within your existing environments. And finally, the tactical and strategic timeframes to get this work done. It doesn't happen overnight, and a lot of the material handling suppliers you see out here, it's not like you can snap your fingers and tomorrow it's operational. But the things you can do today and the alignment, we can be ready for tomorrow. So if you're wondering, because we like to define these things, tactically speaking is what happens over the next, say, three to six months. Why have we framed it this way? We're in March. A lot of us are getting ready for the e-commerce storm that happens in August, September, and October of this year. So we're gonna talk about things that you can do immediately now to get ready for that storm. That's tactical. And strategic, it's building off of the changes you've already put in place. If you do the roadmap that we suggest, you'll be ready to take the strategic decisions that you can learn about today at our event at Modex 2020, and then immediately get in motion. You'll be ready for those automated system changes or software improvements, other aspects. So um, I kind of went ahead and jumped ahead, but if we can do ourselves a favor and switch over to the poll so we can see the responses and experiences that you've all typed in, at least I hope. Rapid training, makes sense. High labor turnover, absolutely. Skills gap. So, is this what all of you feel? I mean, this is what you've typed in. Are we all experiencing those two top 
issues right there. Though you might not be, but have you seen other companies that have a lead into it? And that's what I'm expecting. It's a ripple effect that occurs. We have high turnover, so we need to train our people faster. And if we don't train our people faster, we can't support the evolving uh, supply chains and value chains. So let's switch back over and let's take a step into what things that we can do today. So we definitely realize if you don't act and just complain, it won't get any better. What can you do? Well, we do have the lowest unemployment rates happening right now. Hasn't shifted and it's only gotten worse. We've also realized that we have a healthy economy in motion. Some of the highest consumer spending is happening right now and it's aligning even more for the upcoming new year. The demand, well, uh, a company, they're kind of yellow and orange in size, has really taught our consumers, you don't need it next day, you need it in the next two hours. That's gonna happen, it's gonna get faster. They're mitigating the speed of decision and reducing the friction of selection. So, piece picking has gone up, supply chain visibility, we bring our consumers into our supply chains and we now need to support their answers even further. And the final, amongst all of this, and it really honestly blows my mind, the e-commerce piece, everyone talks about it, it's still only 10, 12% of our retail environments, but it's one is steadily growing 20% over year over year. We have to be ready for it. If you're in the manufacturing space, you have to support it. If you're in the e-commerce space and fulfillment space and the retail space, you must be ready for it. So let's talk about the tactics to get ready for it, and let's talk about the strategy that leads into it. Christian? Thank you, David. Um, so the solutions community is your definitive resource for solution providers, consultants, end, us end users, and, uh, and OEMs of, of equipment. Um, that's that's who's represented here, and that's who our members represent. You know, so that um, together we get together with end users, and we talk about what the what the issues are in the industry and things like that. And we uh, we're able to kind of collaborate and come up with solutions for the industry. And so, um, so really, what I'm going to talk about and focus on is the. Um, the, the tactical portion, the things that can be happening between now and the next six months, uh, between now and, and, can you guys all hear me? I hear so. <laughs> so, but really between now and the holiday season before, um, uh, you know, the Black Friday and, and things like that. So my, my solutions will be a little bit more towards, uh, you know, the, the midterm, John's gonna talk about some things that you can do actually right away uh, and implement in your facilities. And actually with some of the things that you guys had in your, in your presentation of how to handle turnover and, and labor uh, issues and things like that, of how to, how to train quicker and things like that, John has some great solutions coming up down in a few minutes. So um, one of the things that, that we recommend as a group is to uh, bring in process experts and gemba walk your, your facility. Gemba walking comes from the lean management strategy and is really, um, it, it takes a look at what's happening while work is being done. And so you bring in process experts and some of the experts within your company and you walk the lines in your facility and you don't focus on the people, you focus on the work being done and look for opportunities to, 
remove uh, unnecessary movements and things like that. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, um, so you look at what are your organizational goals, what are your, what are your current issues, and when the issues are resolved, what's the bottleneck or X issue that'll come up when you implement a solution to solve your current problems, what, what are the things that are gonna be down the road? So what can you do for 2020? Tactical solutions to increase capacity, speed, and accuracy. Um, one of the things that, that uh, a lot of our uh, uh, members provide is, is tune-up sessions for the existing equipment and, and things that are in your facility. Um, you know, we see as a best practice across the, end, the industry and our end users is July, August, September, making sure that all the equipment in your facility is, is, is tuned up. Maybe you need to, um, you know, repair equipment or, or look for things that, that uh, consistently cause downtime. Uh, and make sure that those things are addressed before you get into your, your heavier seasons. Um, so you make sure that you, you achieve your max performance before you go into your heavy season and, and mitigate any potential downtime events. So uh, instead of focusing on technology and tools, we can look, also look at movement channels and how to empower them with tools and technology. Um, coming up, I'll be talking about some case studies from some of our members of the solutions community and, and giving examples of how they uh, were able to help in those situations. So uh, another thing you can do is eliminate unnecessary movement via goods to picker solution sets like with our AGVs and shuttles and AMRs and carts and things like that that uh, our members provide. Um, we have solutions providers, we have uh, members who, who make the products like Grunzebach and, and other members. Um, and then we have uh, consultants that can also come in and recommend, you know, what are the strategies you need to implement to do those kinds of things. So uh, there's also, uh, you know, you can move palleted goods along with AGVs as well to eliminate some of the need for forklift drivers and things like that when you're moving consistent channels and, 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 and things. Um, you can, you know, one of the one of the case studies that I'll talk about in a few minutes is augmenting uh, automation with robotic picking, palletizing, induction, and and augment your labor force that way. And so, in your in your low low volume times, you can use robotics to almost completely eliminate the need to have have workers do things that will uh, cause unnecessary um, uh, workers comp claims and things like that. And then in high volume times, you can augment that with by adding staff to it. Uh, and peak season times. Um, and then there's always the traditional automation conveyors zero, with zero pressure accumulation, sorters, pick modules, pick and put to light, and things like that that make uh, people more efficient and, and then implementing manifest solutions. And I'll talk about that in a case study in a minute as well. So here's a couple of cases of uh, successful tactical solutions. And typically these can be implemented within you know, from the time you start looking and researching and, and uh, select a vendor and, and, and implement, you know, these would only take a few months to imp implement. You know, these would be from order to implementation, implementation, maybe eight weeks to eight to 16 weeks kind of a thing. So you can do that within three to four months uh, from, from the time that you, you know, select something to the time it gets installed. So that's definitely something that can fit within that six month window. Um, so in this case, a uh, 
this is a robotic sorter induction. We have a lot of sorter sortation companies out there, and currently, you know, you have a human scanning and, and inducting products manually into the sorter as fast as they can go. Well, one of the solutions that uh, one of our members came up with is is adding a um, a collaborative robot to the to the process. And what you see here is that the the robot will actually um, continue to manipulate the product, and it'll keep you know continue to to go through here until a barcode is found and scanned, because then once it's scanned, it can be added to the, to the induction conveyor to the sorter and then, and then put through the sorter. And if it goes through a couple manipulations and they're unable to find the barcode, then they can, then they can reject it and send it to a human for, um, uh, you know, to find the barcode, scan it, and induct it manually. So um, in this case, some of the benefits was that the worker the robot was able to work unattended in a non-collaborative mode uh, and work faster. But then when, in a, in a peak season, when they needed a, a worker to work in the same area as the robot, they could change the robot to collaborative mode. It would slow down a little bit, but then the overall production for that station would, would increase with, the, with, with both uh, human and robot collaboration. Um, the robot also, so I, okay, so I did that. Uh, in this case, this is a manufacturer of meal delivery systems to the healthcare industry. Um, and this is a robotic palletizer. A lot of times palletizing, uh, I, I've walked into facility and seen you know, three or four people per line palletizing products and things like that. And so these definitely lead to uh, unnecessary worker comp claims and things like that with, with a lot of repetitive motion and, and lifting and things like that. So. Um, and, and in this case, the solution was a robotic palletizer along with a taper and, and then barcoding solutions to make sure that, that things were scanned and inducted uh, along you know, before they got onto the pallet so they make sure you have consistent pallet and an accurate order being produced. Um, the company was able to reassign three employees solving labor shortages in other departments, which is also you know, a big strategy for um, uh, for automating is that that's not, you're not necessarily letting go of your labor, you're letting your labor be used in other places where maybe it's more difficult to automate currently. Um, it also eliminated a lot of errors due to manual entry by adding automated scanning and things like that to, to the process. And then uh, in this case, reduced repetitive motion and lifting worker, um, workers' comp claims. Uh, in this case, the third case is an automated manifest system and a company that was an American designer manufacturer and marketer of high-end tools, so hand tools and, and things like that. Um, and they added a, a manifest system. And this one's a little close to my heart. I came from Panther Industries and so they used a, a, a print and apply machine. But they also used barcode scanning to track the order all the way through the pick and, and process. And then when it got into, um, into the manifest process after picking and everything, then it would, it would scan the, the, the license plate on the box, it would weigh and dimension the box, print and apply the label, and then scan verify that label to the, to the order, and it, and it eliminated all those keying errors and those you know, opportunities for the wrong order to go to the wrong place. And so um, it, it definitely removes a lot of uh, uh, manual labor and, and in the fulfillment process, also allows you to go from, um, you know, where you're we're able to, to label products or orders at 30 to 35 per minute, where it would take three to four people to be able to keep up with that, um, with that rate. 
Um, and, and in this case, the system software has the, real, uh, has the ability to rate shop among common carriers so that it saves the, uh, save the customer shipping costs. So at this point, I'm gonna turn it over to John. Here you go, John. Yeah, so in, uh, in this section, we're gonna talk a little bit about what you can do with, uh, with the people that you have today. So not necessarily looking at new equipment, et cetera, but what your existing labor force can do to, uh, to drive you forward. Uh, so we'll talk about some of the things you can do in the very short term. Uh, so from a tactical standpoint, uh, first thing to think about is how can you provide some exceptional training? Uh, so you don't necessarily have to go to an outside training uh, group to do it. Uh, you can do simple things like just recording the process, uh, recording screen flows, making those types of videos available for, uh, for your users. You can create simple PowerPoint slides, slide deck step one, two, three, uh, with screenshots so that uh, it really applies in. Uh, and you can really adapt those to both uh, new users and experienced users if you have any kind of changeover for the particular season. Uh, you can also heavily use visual aids. We see this a lot in uh, uh, a very unstructured type environment. Uh, I'm gonna walk you through a couple of examples how you can end up using visual indicators throughout the uh, operation to simplify some of the operations for operators, particularly new ones when you have rapid turnover or new employees coming in. Uh, third, the ability to adapt user interfaces. So depending on the systems that you have in place today, you may be able to easily change some of those screen layouts, some of those workflows to make them easier for operators to use uh, by simplifying them, taking things off that they don't need, focusing their attention on the things that they do need to worry about. It can really streamline, make it faster as well as help introduce new employees. And the last piece we'll uh, talk a little bit about is gamification. Uh, so the ability to provide some real-time feedback to operators on the floor so they can see how they're progressing, both individually as well as teams and even uh, targets for a shift. You can start to build into this to, to drive some of those performance metrics to, uh, to the next level. <clears throat> so from an exceptional training standpoint, uh, one of the things if you're starting to add some video, some PowerPoints, et cetera, uh, when you add those in, you can start to even put those directly into your application. So if you can adjust some of your own menu structures in your WMS, uh, any, in your WCS layer, your TMS layer, uh, you can start to embed those training videos or training PowerPoint slides directly into the menu structure so it's very easy for an operator to navigate to those particular help screens. Uh, that can be highlighted both for new employees as well as for senior guys for things that are very exception-based. So whenever you have an exception in a peak period, you don't have time to go back to the supervisor. So you want to even embed some of those unusual events back into your online training materials. From a visualization standpoint, you walk around a lot of warehouses I do, and the first thing I ask is, how come that orange dot is on that box? There's usually a reason for it. Uh, we typically end up using colors, images, without really thinking about it. But if you go through a process of planning and intelligent use of it, it can really drive your operations. Uh, so there's a couple of examples here that you can end up seeing on the right side. They've uh, just lined off the staging locations in the shipping docks. So instead of having stuff just strewn around, they've actually organized it just by putting stripes on the floor. Uh, second one from the, uh, from the right is 
just the labels on the rack. So different color codes for the different layers uh, in your rack makes it easier for me to identify and get to the right, right rack level as well as to scan the right indicator whenever I'm going through that. So a lot of things that you end up doing, uh, you can end up using images uh, as well as color codes, uh, different types of uh, label stocks, et cetera, as you go forward. One of the key things that I run into a lot is people when you're looking to bring on new uh, or temporary staff and introduce them into your operation, particularly RF or voice type operations, is how do I train them and get them effectively uh, quickly because I've streamlined my screens for high efficiency with an experienced user. Well, you can end up starting to adapt this by creating a duplicate workflow, duplicate set of screens in your applications to create a second set for a trainee or a temp user. It may have more screens to do the same thing. It may have more information, more graphics, but it helps train them and make it easier for them to adapt to the new system. As they progress and learn the new system, then you can move them to a more advanced screen that just streamlines it and makes it faster since they've already got the basics of your particular operation. Where can you go to look for additional labor sources? So, you know, we all have labor shortages. We're always looking for them. Where do we go outside of just uh, temporary, uh, temporary service companies? Great places are veterans. Uh, there's a website here that you can uh, link to. Uh, they do a great job of helping our veterans find new opportunities. These guys have worked for years. They know how to follow process. They're very structured. They're very dependable. They're looking for jobs, and they're highly qualified. It's a great source to, uh, to go to. Uh, the disabled. Uh, disabled and special needs. It's, it's a group of, of people that we often overlook as possible labor sources. Uh, and I'll walk you through a case study on an excellent use of this and how it really could, uh, could drive your operation and provide some extra talent for you. High schools and trade schools, whether it's part-time students, but also te teachers and instructors. Uh, summertime is a great time where they're actually looking for part-time jobs or holiday seasonal work uh, to bring in a little extra income. So don't forget those guys as well. So outside of the, the standard temporary agencies or looking for new full-time, uh, consider some alternates that your competition may not be looking at, so you may be an easier way to, uh, to find some of them. Uh, so a couple of, a couple of a case studies from some of our member companies on how they've used some of these techniques to drive performance on the floor. Uh, this is a uh, hospital distributor uh, <coughs> kicking into individual totes. Those totes are organized at the shipping dock for individual uh, nursing stations, different facilities, and it's a manual staging and uh, loading process. Uh, and it was getting confusing for them as to how to stack and make sure it gets to the right hospital. Uh, so what they did, you can see on the, uh, the images on the top on the right, the one on the left was their original label, the one on the right is the new one. They added just a graphic image that represents that particular ship to destination. destination. So this one is going to the destination that is flagged as a shamrock. Have another one that's an elephant, another one is a zebra. It's really easy if I see a bunch of totes to put all the zebras together and all the elephants together. And if I see a pallet that's got a bunch of zebras and one elephant, I go, whoa, I got a problem. Very easy way for them to do it instead of looking at the numbers and say, this is ship to 147 versus 156. Very simple to do. You can typically do that with your label printing software by itself with no interaction with your system. Gave them a tremendous benefit and the operators loved it. 
Uh, another uh, invention that these guys did as well is they get a lot of materials in that have cases with three, four, five barcode labels on it, and it was really confusing for the operator to figure out which one is my internal barcode. They just bought yellow label stock, same price as a white label stock, so they just looked for the yellow label, that's their label. So it really streamlined just by using a couple of visual concepts without a whole lot of investment. Next case study is one of optimizing and changing the user interface for a particular operation. So this was an electrical distributor. Uh, they're actually cutting cable for main building installations. Uh, their challenge is they have to cut five cables, up to five cables simultaneously on a reel and pull them all at one time. Previously they were pulling one at a time, cutting one, then re-rolling the reel, cutting the second one. Uh, because their system didn't allow them to do more than one at a time. So in this case, what happened is they changed the user interface to present to the picker the information for all five cuts simultaneously on one screen. Gave them the starting footage marker, the ending footage marker, the direction of travel, the color code of the, uh, the cable, put it all on one screen so they could pull five all together at one time. That just increased their picking efficiency in that area by a factor of five and drove their accuracy through the roof. Uh, really a positive for them. Uh, their net savings at the end of the day was 45% based off of the combination of uh, two cable reels to five cable reels. Uh, and the operators were very happy because they put down their calculators and their manual paper and pencil to do this manually because it was all directly on the screen for them. The next case study is, is the one for, uh, for special needs. Uh, this is a uh, well-known retail pharmacy. You can, uh, you can find their case study and some of their videos online. Uh, they went through a process of hiring the disabled. Uh, and it's a very interesting story. Uh, they hired disabled people and they, they paid them the exact same rate as full-time, full-bodied employees. They gave them the exact same tasks as the other people. The only thing they did is they invested in the building to make all of those jobs easy for those people to perform. And what they found at the end of the day was this was the best performing DC in their entire company. They've since rolled out that from an objective standpoint. They, their objective is to hire 30% disabled special needs people by facility. Uh, and they're through the roof on productivity. Most dependable staff that you'll ever see. These guys are happy to come to work, love having a job, just a thrill to, uh, to work with. Uh, often overlooked as a labor source. Encourage you to uh, take a look at that. Uh, the, the last piece on here too, and this was one I've heard uh, not only from, uh, from, from this site, but also another site that I visited, was an improvement in management skills. Uh, the managers actually learned and became better managers by managing these special needs and disabled people because they understood the whole human interaction better. They became better leaders, better managers for the rest of the organization as well. With that, I'll turn it over to, uh, to David to walk you through some more strategic, longer-term initiatives you can take. Thanks, John. So over the course of the next three hours, we're going to be discussing everything you can do strategic. No? No. Darn it. All right. My shot clock says I only have 10 minutes. My notes are gone. So let's talk about the experiences you just heard. Those tactical improvements can be done right now. Everything that John just discussed 
five or six months, it's all it takes to get it in motion. But all you're doing is laying the foundation for strategic decisions to, to elevate from there. If you don't do the tactical, what we're about to do strategically won't happen. You won't have the successes. And the one tidbit I can tell you, take away from today's conversation, is if you optimize and automate unsupported, unoptimized manual environments that are not ready to go, all you're gonna do is get worse next year. You will not get better. The main thing to do is to get better today manually with your processes and your people and then improve with tools and technology. That's a key takeaway. But you can see everything that you experience out here at Modex 2020 is available in strategic positions, tactical and strategic alignments from the shuttle systems, which are perfect for when you need to evolve from the pallet, the case, and the each into an e-commerce or a goods-to-person arena. Or the integrated automated conveyor solutions. Um, simply put, our days are complex, our orders are coming faster, and the time to do it is coming shorter and shorter every day. Those type of solution sets help me to co-mingle everything I need in a small environment. Other aspects, you know, um, simply put, if you don't have a WMS, go get one. If you don't have a WES to support the alignments to the WMS, consider getting one. These enhancements now help to improve strategically what we need for tomorrow. So before we go forward, we have to go back. So simply put, our world near on 70 years ago was at the pallet level. And the complexity to support the pallet level decisions was actually very easy. I just dropped a pallet in the back of my uh, retail establishment. Or I dropped a pallet directly at my uh, business to business alignment. These things worked. Problem is, is they don't work anymore. Our consumers are shifting from the pallet to the carton to the each to the unit. And the idea behind it was eventually I was gonna get to a plateau, a steady state, because I can't go any smaller, except that the consumers started asking for value-added services and started to add even more and become deeper into our supply chains. So the complexity, the cost to fulfill in time and value and cost continues to skyrocket. So that's the reason why we embarked on this massive change to automate, to improve. And strategically, this is what we're gonna talk about now. There's a chain to it all. The very first thing you actually wanna do is you don't wanna automate what you already have in the middle of America or somewhere in say uh, uh, Kazakhstan. You want to turn around and get closer to your consumers. They're already ready to move and they want decisions in two hours or less. Get as close as possible. Shift your network around. It's harder said than done, but embarking on it strategically is one of the best things you can do today. Secondly, improve the quality and right size the orders. Simply put, we are still shipping air. There are ways to improve upon it. There's technology out there today to help to improve upon the right sizing of those orders and the grouping of the orders. Thirdly, increase the speed of delivery. You automate what is already successful. You automate what the consumers expect. And that's when you come back in with full automated storage and retrieval systems, uh, case pick systems, even robotics. You've improved the speed with the technology. So constantly I'm researching with De uh, Deloitte and Bain and others, and they've gone through and done this massive study. By the way, it gets updated every year. This is 2018, so it's gonna get updated again shortly. And what they do is they ask the question, what is the next level of supply chain? Where is your roadmap for improvement? So the solutions community in support of this 
finds ways to help support the analysis that goes behind it. As an example, lost sales, one of the most important things to the beginnings of our uh, supply chains and our value chain. 50% of it can be accepted and um, provided against just by having a digital automated environment, a digital WMS. Moving from paper to being digital helps to reduce sales, improve admin costs, and more importantly, give us insight into our inventories that we've always been missing. The next evolutionary step to this is going advanced, getting your digital with a semi-automated environment. Simply put, it's pick modules and conveyors and sorters. It's what we all know, but the evolutionary change has helped to bring the improvements. And the add-ons appear. When inventory improvements jump up almost another 20%, our admin costs now have a heavy reduction when you get into the digital environment and semi-automated processes. Once you actually have your manual processes improved upon and you are in an alignment with some of the technology inside your warehouse, you take the next final step, and that's robotics. Then you're ready to do it. Most companies today are immediately jumping into robotics as the very first thing. They're going from paper to having robotic picking. And I'm actually saying that's actually too fast. Slow down, go through the steps like a recipe, and the cake will always be good every time. So uh, I believe we have, yes, another question set up. So that was for labor issues, and hopefully you answered the next question. It's a review? Ah, it's even better, thank you. So what we've talked about tactically is how to get ready for the remainder of 2020. Strategically, what it looks like and how to actually support this with automated systems. So I ask you the question again that everyone answered originally. High labor turnover, rapid training requirements, these are still the highest ones. My question to all of you is, is that if you follow this path of tactical improvements, tactical continuous improvements and strategic alignments, are you there? Will this put you on the roadmap of change? I do see nods around the room. Christian, would you mind taking us out? So as a review, um, the, uh, the solutions community is, consists of 73 members of um, integrators, consultants, suppliers, uh, and then we also have media, academia. Um, one of the, the, the parts of MHI is we have the College Industry Council for Material Handling Education as part of our, uh, that participates in a lot of our industry groups. Um, and then end users. This is a unique group uh, within MHI because in a lot of our industry groups it's really tied to uh, product uh, specific manufacturers and things like that where the solutions community actually invites in the end users. Uh, we have panels that the end users typically speak to our members and then we have round table breakouts where end users are included in discussions with our members and things like that at our, at our uh, spring and annual conference. So it's a little bit different of a makeup of a, of a community than, uh, than some of our other, the other industry groups. Um, the community's mission is to provide a unique venue where equipment systems and service suppliers can collaborate together to improve the marketplace for all. Um, it, it is a safe harbor environment, which means we don't buy and sell from each other and things like that. It's really a place to communicate and, and, and learn from each other. Um, we, uh, we, we discuss different types of material handling, technology systems, best practices, and, and the lessons learned. This is, a, this is the representation of our current 73 members that are, uh, 
that are all out here on the floor. Um, and through the app, you can actually, for any of our industry groups, but including the solutions community, you can go into, uh, through the app, select the solutions community and see all the members and where their booths are located and go and find them on the floor and talk to them about the, the issues that you guys might be having and um, what their solutions and how they might uh, tackle those. Um, these are the end users and media partners that have actually joined MHI and, and the solutions community. Um, so these, these people typically show up at uh, different meetings. We had Tesla this last meeting join the solutions meeting, uh, the solutions community back in uh, at the annual meeting. Uh, Target commonly participates and, and others as well. Um, and then we also have DC Velocity and other uh, uh, media uh, organizations participate in the, in the community. Um, again, you can find the solutions community and all of the industry groups via the app. So we made it very easy to search and, and drop down and, and see all the members that are on the app uh, and go and find their booths. Uh, resources, so mhi.org backslash solutions community, you can find blogs, white papers, uh, videos that we've produced and things like that. And that is actually true for all the industry groups as well. So come out and check our, you know, go on our website and check out our content. There's a lot of really, uh, really good things on there and, and there's always content being added to it, so. Uh, and then there's the automation blog, which again, a lot of the industry groups, including CSS, the conveyor insertion, ASRS, the uh, mobile automation, the solutions community, and, and the robotics group all produce content that goes into the automation blog. And so there's a lot of, uh, if you constantly look on there, there's always updated information on there as well. And this fall, we have at the, uh, the, the Swan and Dolphin Resort at Walt Disney World, October 12th through 14th, we'd like to invite you all to, to join us for our annual conference. And there's a lot of education sessions and keynotes and, and collaboration and, and opportunities to network and meet our members. So, and if you have any questions, my email address is on the bottom. And, and here's all the contact information for all of the speakers. Uh, Unfortunately, Kevin, Kevin Reeder was not able to meet us today or, or, or be with us today, but uh, um, we, we definitely would welcome you guys reaching out to him as well. So, um, any questions, any feedback? <laughs>